Welcome to Life's Tea Time. I'm your host, Sam Schupenecker. In this podcast, I'm chatting with the people I meet on the journey competing in amateur golf. Today, I'm joined by Christy Schultz, and what a conversation. Christy has won tournaments at every level, including nine New York State championships. I learned a lot from Christy. I mean, I've been trying to win one New York State championship for about 10 to 15 years. <laughs> we talk about Christy's journey through golf, how she approaches the mental game and her practice, and so much more. I think you'll get a lot out of this conversation. I hope you enjoy. I just want to get started with how you started playing golf and who got you into the game. I actually didn't start at a super young age. It wasn't until I was like 12, I guess, that I really picked it up. And of course, it was my parents. My parents were avid golfers. My dad had played college golf and just was obsessed with the game. And my mom as well was a good golfer and they played all the time. So I always found myself, you know, at the golf course with them. And I think initially to pique my interest, they always would like, let me drive the golf cart and, you know, all the fun things that the kids want to do when they're younger you know, I didn't really love it when I was young, but then when I was about 12, that's when I started to, you know, take, take lessons. And then my mom and dad sent me to, um, this golf school down at Duke university. I have family that lives in Durham. So they would send me down there to this camp and I would, you know, stay on campus. And I always had my aunt and uncle close by if I needed anybody, but yeah, they would basically put me on a plane when I was like 13, 14. I think I went like three or four years. And that's when I really was like, wow, this is awesome. Look at all these other people playing golf and look how quickly you can improve just by lessons and practice. So that's pretty much how I, uh, how I started, Sam. What was the structure of that camp? Yeah, it was run by the university and like the, the golf coaches. So you had at that time, and I want to say he's still coaching, Dan Brooks. He was the women's golf coach at Duke, That you had the men's coach. And then the instructors, in addition to the coaching staff, would also be the players, the current players at the college. And it was just a great facility. And you had kids that would go to that camp from all over the place. So you would meet people from everywhere. And it was really well-run camp instructional and you know from an instruction standpoint and then also just a ton of fun like imagine staying in college dorms and you're like 13 years old I thought I was like the coolest person ever yeah you're reminding I I never did anything like that for golf but I did for hockey so you're reminding me of all yes. of the hockey camps that I went to <laughs> yeah they were a lot fun. of fun yeah it is fun so did you play on was there middle school high school what were the teams um, that you did? So I I went to, I'm from Pavilion, New York, which is a super small town. I graduated with 52 students. So of course we had a golf team, but it was, you know, just a boys golf team, super small. So I played on the boys team and didn't do anything until I think I was junior high when I started playing on the golf team. So up until that point, I was playing in like junior tournaments. So I think my first 
tournaments were like locally Rochester junior tournaments. And then the, I started playing in a New York state junior girls when I was, I want to say, I think I was 13 when I started playing in those. And I was terrible. I, I remember like my first tournament, I think my goal was to shoot 110 with three pars. I remember that being my goal. Every year when you're that age, like you come back and you hit the ball farther and your, you know, your scores are lower. So it was kind of, it was kind of fun to like use the state tournament as like my gauge of how much I improved every year. And that's where I started meeting other girls that played like locally. It was Danielle Downey and this other girl, Sarah Dole. We were really, there was only like three or four girls in all of Rochester that were playing golf at that time. I mean, obviously it's changed now there's like high school girl golf teams and there just wasn't that back then so we we had to play with the boys so I started playing in like junior tournaments and then especially like the New York State junior girls was there a moment when you started to have some success in golf I was like 16 I want to say when it started clicking a little bit more and I was doing a lot of junior tournaments in the summers. Like I was playing in AJGAs, this other organization called IJGT. I went and did like the, I qualified for the, at that time it was called the MaxFly PGA Junior Championship down in Florida. So I was doing like qualifiers. I was playing in, and you know, like probably from junior golf, those AJGAs, they're hard to get into. So I think I like won a qualifier or something. And then that like helped me get into those events. So I was doing a lot of those and then doing the state tournament. So it was pretty much right around like 16 when everything started clicking. And um, of course, at that time too, my dad got really sick. He had um, a malignant brain tumor. He was diagnosed when I was 16 and he lived a year and a half with that tumor before he passed away when I was 17. So it was a tough time because when you're, and I, my goal was to get a scholarship to go to college. So that's like an important time, obviously, for making a name for yourself in tournaments and traveling in the summers. And it was just really difficult because my dad was so sick. So I don't know how my mom did it. Like she managed to take care of my dad, bring me to tournaments or have someone else, you know, take me to tournaments. My dad would come to some tournaments. And then that is pretty much my, my first memory per se of like a real win and memorable win was the 96 New York State Girls Championship. That was the first time I won. I played against Danielle Downey, my close friend from Rochester who has since passed away. And we, I played her in the finals. And my dad, who was very sick at that time, they granted him like a golf cart to be able to come out and watch me play because he was paralyzed on his left side from the tumor. And I, Danielle and I went, I think we went all the way to 18 and I ended up winning. So that was like my first memory of success, but it was also like sad, you know, mm -hmm. and now, especially looking back, um, because you know, my dad and obviously Danielle, um, so yeah, that was like definitely my first big, big memory for golf was that, was that tournament. And up until that point, I had just been, you know, doing the junior tournaments and playing all summer long. But that was really like the starting point for winning, I guess you could say, when I was 16. What was 
you're in this tournament, you're winning, you're having all these emotions, like what was going on in your head or, or were you able to put that aside and, and focus on the golf? Yeah. You know, if it was me now in that situation, I probably would have been a mess because I think as you get older and you just live life, everything just becomes more emotional. But, you know, I was 16 years old. I was young. I think in the back of my head, I was like probably thinking something was going to save my dad from dying. And obviously, you know, I was just playing golf. That's all I knew how to do at that point. So I don't, I don't remember being like too emotional from like being sad when I was playing that match. I remember being nervous. I mean, I think junior golf's the nerves really were like, oh my gosh, I, I was like the most nervous junior golfer ever at times, I think. So I remember being nervous and especially playing my good friend, Danielle. But yeah, emotionally, I think it kind of hit me afterwards a little bit, but especially since my dad has passed and like the years following that, it was more of like, wow, I can't believe I did that. And my dad got to see it. Um, so yeah, but it was... It was a great experience. Probably one of the most memorable state championships for me. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what the recruiting experience was like for you. Like I said, I was doing a lot of junior tournaments. I won the state girl that year in 1996 that I just spoke of. And then I won back to back the following year in 97. And then I I remember qualifying for the U.S. Junior Ryder Cup, which is not associated with like the normal Ryder Cup, but it was um, a separate thing. And it was boys and girls. So like when I was trying to qualify, I was competing against boys. I ended up, I was one of two girls that made this 12 squad team and it was U.S. versus Canada, but we went to Scotland. So we played St. Andrews. Well, Well, we didn't play that for the tournament. We played the course right next to it for the tournament, but we all got to play St. Andrews as part of like the whole experience. So I remember like qualifying for that and going, this is right after my dad had passed and going to Scotland with my mom and my sister and all these other people and how cool of of an experience that was, you know, that was, that was beyond when I had already gotten recruited. So I guess from a recruiting standpoint, you know, I was just trying to build my resume. So the AJGAs, I qualified for a couple of USGA junior girls tournaments. I didn't make the cut in either one of those, but it was all about just like building your resume, having good finishes at some of those junior tournaments and just getting, getting noticed. You know what I mean? And at that time, there wasn't as many girls golf college programs across the country. I mean, that certainly has changed in the past 15 to 20 years. Um, but I was mostly getting recruited by Big 10 schools, but also like other schools like New Mexico, University of Colorado, University of South Carolina. I mean, it was kind of like a a wide array of schools. And um, my recruiting visits, I did kind of go all over the place. I went out to New Mexico. I went to South Carolina. I went to Penn State. I went to Ohio State and Purdue ended up being the one that I that I liked the most. And they had just built a Pete Dye golf course there. So it was like super cool to have a brand new course. And, um, yeah, that's where I settled. I ended up going to Purdue. I was there from 1998 to 2002. Did they have a good team at that time? Yeah, we, um, we did have a good team. We ended up, um, winning the first big 10 championship for Purdue. I was a sophomore and then we won again my senior year 
qualified for NCAAs, I think three out of the four years that I was there. So we did. We had a very good team. I would say my college career, I wish I could go back and do it over again because, you know, I, I did fine. I, I definitely had a solid college career, but I think I was too focused on, and this is going to sound terrible, too focused on um, my studies. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not what I thought you I were going to say. <laughs> I could have been a little less focused on that. Like, for some reason, I was like, oh my God, I have to get a 4.0. Like, a 3.5 is just not going to cut it. It has to be a 4.0. So I became kind of like a perfectionist with my GPA, which at this stage of my life, looking back, I'm like, it really, I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't really matter that much. So I wish I would have like not have been such a dork in college, I guess you could say a book nerd. And then of course, you know, I had a boyfriend at one point that just was not a good decision and took me away from the golf course more than I would have liked. So I would love to do college over again. I would love to have that opportunity, even though I won't ever have it, but definitely would have been some things I would have done differently and focus more on the golf. So like, what does that look like? Focusing more on the golf? Just, you know, just like being more committed to maybe trying to take the next step after, after college, because I think if I would have treated college golf a little bit differently and, you know, there was some opportunities afterwards to maybe consider turning pro and I just was so, you know, like, no, it's time to get a job. And so I think it's it just if I would have treated college golf differently and maybe had a little bit more success, it would have altered my plan with golf, essentially. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. So yeah. it is what it is. But, yeah, some some regrets there for college golf. Some regrets. Yeah. I mean, I wish I did college differently. I was a little too emotional and cared too much about the outcomes there. So in a way, it's it's the opposite. You were of the mindset that you needed to graduate and get a job. What were you thinking at that time? And maybe where did that come from? The 4.0 GPA, the perfectionism? I think it's part of my personality, to be honest. I don't know. It was just like this this drive of... It's time to start your career. It's time to, you know, be independent, be on your own, make your own money. And of course, I had loans coming out of college. My parents, you know, especially with my dad passing, my mom couldn't pay for my my full boat. And I did get a scholarship. Like I was on a 70% scholarship, but it wasn't a cheap school as college is, is not cheap anymore. Even more so now it's more expensive. But so I had all these student loans and um, I was just kind of trying to find my way. I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet. So I was trying to figure that out. Like I said, I, I kind of passed on the, the pro golf opportunity. So then I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a club pro. So I started out working as like an assistant at Locust Hill Country Club, which is here in, in Rochester. And I quickly discovered that you don't really get to play a lot of golf or really be outside. I found myself like in the pro shop all the time or just dealing with with different things with the membership. And I didn't really like that. So I think I only did that for like a year and a half. And then I went then I worked for the Red Cross doing like special events and fundraising, which was a great job, but I think I worked like 80 hours a week and made pennies. <laughs> so that's so at that point I was there for like three years and knew I had to uh, make a jump to make more money. So I've been with Pfizer ever since then. I just had my 17-year anniversary. After graduating college, what role did golf 
play in your life at that time? Yeah, I mean, I was still pretty into it, pretty competitive. I would say because of my commitments with work, I wasn't able to do as many tournaments as I would like. And I was still trying to establish my career and what I was going to do. So it was it was less, less tournaments after college. Like I think I pretty much would do the state tournament, the local district, maybe maybe just two or three tournaments a summer. So it was it was less. It was less, but I was still I was still playing quite a bit. I mean, my uh, my husband now we we met on the golf course, so that was like what we did all the time. It was was golf, so it certainly was a huge part of my life after after college, definitely. When did your golf game improve the most? Does any time period stand out to you? I think honestly, after college, for some reason, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think I started maybe taking the game, I don't want to say less seriously, but it it became more of like a recreational type thing. I became less nervous, less like pressure because leading up to, to college golf, I mean, you always felt the pressure of like, I got to do one this tournament because so-and-so the college coaches here watching and I want to make sure I perform. And, and even in college, I mean, geez, you're not like a team of six, you're like a team of 10 or 11 and you have to qualify for tournaments. So there's always that pressure of playing well and staying in the lineup. And, and we had a good team. So there was tournaments where I wouldn't make the lineup. So I think it was just the lack of pressure and just like feeling this, this freedom when I was more freedom in tournaments and I just relaxed. And I think we all know we play better golf when we're relaxed. (laughs) So yeah, I think that was like the key thing is this, not that I didn't care, but it was like, I didn't care about the results as much after college. Were you practicing the same amount or even a little less or? Yeah, I was, I was practicing quite a bit. I mean, that's something something I love to do. I love to practice. My husband thinks I'm weird because I can, I can go and practice for like hours and I don't get bored. He, he's like, you know, he'll hit like 20 balls on the range and he's ready to go play. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, I, I sometimes would rather go practice than, than play golf. So I, I certainly continued, continued that and um, would just find time like during the day, like even, even now with my job, cause I'm more established in this role and I I make my own schedule. So like if there's like an hour or two window and I can go and get some practice in, boom, I'm there, you know? So I just, I just find ways with, with time management to, to make the practicing happen. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Do you feel, I always feel like I get more done and I'm a better, I'm better at work when I also have golf going on or a lot of things going on because I'm very used to structuring my time better that way. If I don't have anything, then I tend to not do anything. (laughs) I agree. And it's like a mental break for me. I mean, mental health, especially since COVID, I I don't know. I mean, if I didn't, if I couldn't go to the golf course between like my, my family life and my kids' schedules and work, I I might go crazy. Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) I feel that. So you, you took some time off because of kids not because you like all of a sudden hated the game and you're like I can't do this anymore right yeah you know what it was I probably had the opportunity to still play because I would have help but getting back to the practice thing I wasn't able to practice so there's no way I'm going to show up at a tournament 
not being prepared. So that was kind of where my time off from golf during the kids being young came from is that I just didn't have time to get the practice in. So, yeah, so I, I did take a step back and I, I did that. I think I played, I think I won the state mid-am when my oldest was a baby. And I think I took a break after that. So it was, it was good to kind of step away. And I know you don't have any kids yet, Sam, but when you have kids, your life is like basically turned upside down and like it becomes their, their activities is what you do. You know, so even when, now that they're older, it's still, it's chaos. I mean, they love baseball. So every weekend in the summer, I think we had two weekends off this entire summer from June to the end of August because we were at baseball tournaments every weekend, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love watching them do what they love to do, but it certainly doesn't leave a lot of time for, for golf. So I have to be very particular about what tournaments I play in. You know, they really have to be during the week because I can't, I can't do anything on the weekends. Your life is your kids' activities. It really, it really is. So golf's still on the back burner in some, some areas. Yeah. I think we just missed, missed each other. When did you decide to get back into playing tournaments? So I started, I'm looking back here. I, and I actually didn't come back to the New York state am until 2019. So, or no, it was 18. So yeah, so it was, it was tough. It was hard to kind of get back into it, find time to practice and still manage my kids' schedules. But I knew that I was like missing it. For me too, it's not just missing the golf. It's like missing competition. I just, I, I really, I'm a competitive person, almost to a fault. Like my poor kids, they're, they're really poor losers because they're so competitive. Hopefully they grow out of that, but right now they're miserable losers. So that's kind of when I started coming back, I would say it was like 2000. 18. I've stayed pretty consistent. Um, I would say I've picked it up even more since COVID. I think everyone can say they played more golf since COVID. We joined Oak Hill literally the week before everything shut down. So that was a huge turning point, especially recently for me is joining Oak Hill because that place is amazing. <laughs> it's also cost a small fortune. So I feel like I have to go there as much as humanly possible to even feel like I'm getting my money's worth, which I'm never going to get my money's worth. But if I go there as much as possible, at least it makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, so what does practice look like for you these days? Like I said, I kind of try to carve out an hour, hour and a half, two hours in my workday, whether that's like going early in the morning or um, finding time around the lunch hour or towards the end of the day. I just, I, I find the time. So I always have my stuff in the car or in my locker at the course, just ready. And especially if it's leading up to a tournament, I I usually have like a routine of, okay, today you're going to practice this and tomorrow. And it's usually focused heavily on short game. One thing I've found is that my ball striking is never going to be that spectacular. I just try to keep it in play because it can be pretty ugly. It can be pretty ugly. Like the last round of States this year, I didn't play with you that last round, Sam, but it was, I think I shot one under, but you would have thought I was shooting like 85 because my ball striking was so bad. And I kept telling my caddy, I'm like, we're managing our misses. We're managing our misses. And that's literally what we did all day. So it was an ugly round of golf, but I just kept it in play. I had good course management and my short game was good. So a lot of times my practice is heavily focused on short game because 
the ball striking at this stage in my career. I don't know. It would take a miracle to to make that much better. But I still I still hit balls. Don't get me wrong. But you save the strokes with the short clubs. I wish I saw that round. I wish I played with you that round because I'm curious what that looks like. Uh, when I played with you, you just hit it down the middle. And I I noticed one thing about you in that on the putting green, it it felt like there was just like a zone of focus from you on that putting green that I don't know if I've witnessed from anybody else, but it's cool to see. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. No, I, I definitely, the, as the years go on, I find that the mental side of the game, it's like 75%. I swear to God, like with all sports, I, I've talked to my boys about this with, with baseball. I'm like, you have to be so mentally strong and you have to practice your mental stuff. So that's another area that I really, I really work on. I read books. I listen to podcasts on it. Um, you know, I'm just really trying to improve that part of my game because I think that's where you can really elevate yourself above other people as if you can just have a good mental approach for the whole round, not just like bits and pieces of good mental. You know, you got to be mentally tough in the good times and the bad times. Yeah. Uh, what I'm curious, what b- books are you reading? Who, who's influenced you in that area? So I do love those Bob Rotella books. How Champions Think is the most recent Rotella book. And then Jenna Hecker pulled me in on this one, Cool Under Pressure by Dr. R. Case uh, Stutman. Really good. Like I've got this whole thing highlighted basically. So I think that's that's where you can gain an edge in golf is just really trying trying to improve your mental game and just learning new strategies and other success stories from people that have tried different things. So that's what I, uh, that's what I do now. Short game and mental approach. That's what I focus on. When you're practicing short game, what do you think is the most important aspect of it? Whether that's an actual drill that you're doing or your mindset I don't necessarily think it's so much drills when it comes to short game. I think it's repetition, repetition. So I feel most confident too when I, cause I'm kind of like, um, I'm like regimented with yardages and just knowing how far I hit like, okay, like a 30 yard shower, how far back do I take my gap wedge or my lob wedge? You know what I mean? So I'm very, and I write this stuff down. I'm like, okay, 40 yard shot is a 40% 56 degree. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of just a dork when it comes to that, because then if I have that written down in moments of pressure where I'm like, holy crap, I can like look at my notebook and be like, okay, it's just a 40 yard shot, just 40% with your 56 degree. You got this, you know? So I try to like have that all written down and, um, just repetition over and over again. I mean, literally, and I'll come up with games where it's like, okay, you can't move on to the next shot until you get, until you chip at least one in or until you get like five out of your eight balls within two feet. So I try to like do that as well. I mean, time permitting sometimes when I'm limited on my, my practice time, I can't go crazy with that stuff. Yeah. I just try to do little games with myself and just repetition all the time and trying different shots too. I think I think people, they don't try the tough shots. I mean, give yourself that fried egg in the bunker so you can figure out what the heck you're going to do or practice that flop shot in the thick rough with a terrible eye over a bunker to a tight pin. So I try to do that too. I try to practice the the weird, peculiar shots so that when you get those on the course, you're not like, oh no, I've never done yep. those. 
So that that second round, the one under where you were not playing well, what mm-hmm. did that just look like? Getting up and down all the time. What does what does managing your misses mean? It was a lot of honestly. It was a lot of thin shots, like laughable, like oh she sculled it, and look there it is up on the green, ten foot from the pin. You know, like poor Lauren, she probably was like, oh my god, I would have been annoyed with myself too, playing against myself. So no, it was just it was a lot of thin shots, which that's my miss. I'm I'm not like a high ball striker with these beautiful divots you know so it was a lot of that there was a lot of up and downs and just you know like those par fives that that course was quirky you played there I mean it was just like it was weird I mean the par fives were totally gettable but you could go to a double bogey easily by mishitting your approach shot or going for it in two. So I was just like, you know what, we're not even going for it. I'm just going to lay up. Like sometimes it was like laying up with an eight iron, or I think we laid up on one of those holes with water with like a freaking pitching wedge. I remember. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not even going to bring the big number into play because I'm not hitting it well. So it was a lot of just course management, silly stuff that you, you wouldn't normally think you would want to do. You, of course you want to go for the green. I mean, let's make an Eagle, but I was, that was not my approach to that round at all. So, but it was laughable. We had some good laughs, my caddy and I, with some of those shots that I hit that I would just make the putt for birdie. And it was just one of those rounds, Sam. Okay. So you've won nine New York state amateur championships. Is that some sort of record? (laughs) It's not, but I'm like, I'm going for the record. That's my goal right now. There's a man and I forget his name. Oh my gosh. I feel terrible. He has won 11. I would like to win more. I mean, granted, that record might not hold up very long because there's so many good players. And and it would be different because I don't think he ever won like at each level. So like I've had junior girl wins. I've had state am wins. I've had mid-am wins. And then hopefully eventually once I become a senior. So I think it'd be cool to like have those wins go across all ages. I don't know. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be awesome. That's my goal. <laughs> I would like to, I would like to, you know, have more than that 11. Amazing. And I'm interviewing you now, right at, right in the middle of it. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Do you just have a winning mindset? Are you just game for competition? It's not that easy to win one New York state championship. No, I think honestly, the experience factor helps. So I mean, just, I feel super comfortable when I get a lead or when I'm just even trying to catch the lead, it just feels comfortable. I'm not as nervous as I used to be. I know what to do. And it's fun to come from behind too. You know, I've had ones where I've had to come from behind. So I don't know. I just, I feel comfortable in those positions. I know how to get it done, I guess. And I can't wait till the next one. How many USGA championships have you played in? Uh, I've played in seven between junior girls. I never qualified for an AM, which to be honest, I hear those course setups are so long and miserable. I'm not sure I would have ever enjoyed playing in that. Uh, the mid AM, this was my fifth one that I just played in. So, you know, those tournaments too can be tough. The course setups can be really challenging. So that's another thing that really drives me is that I know I have to have my game in shape to go to those tournaments because it's not going to be easy. The courses are not going to be easy. 
and they're, they don't really give you much of a break, even if it rains two inches the day before. <laughs> so, um, yeah. those USGA events, I mean, they're awesome though. Right. Sam. Oh, they're like, amazing. Yeah. They are unbelievable. So I, that is certainly one of my goals, especially with the next two being in the Northeast. I would love to get back to both of those and play. And it's getting harder as I'm getting older. It's, it's not getting any easier. The courses are long and you know, that heat in Florida, I literally thought I was going to die that Sunday where we had to play. I think I had to play 27 holes or 26 holes or something. I thought I was going to die. And it pushes me to try to like stay in shape because I know I'm not going to be able to, to cut it like those 36 hole days. Uh, granted, I didn't make match play this year, but I mean, that's no joke playing 36, two matches in one day. I don't know if I could physically do that right now. So that's something in the back of my mind. So now I'm like, okay, you need to be more physically fit. Those USGA events are awesome. I, I hope to play in many more. What's the farthest you've made it in one of those? Uh, so I was actually pregnant with my first kid, uh, three months pregnant. I made it to the quarterfinals. It was in, um, it was actually, it was the last time it was in Florida. So yeah, so that was, that was cool. I mean, to make it all the way to the quarterfinals and I was, you know, three months pregnant, but it, it was later in the year. It was like October. So it wasn't like that crazy heat that we just played in, in September down there, but that was pretty cool to, to make it that far. I think I had an exemption into the next year. And I remember crying my eyes out because I declined the exemption because I had just had my son and I was in no condition to play golf. And I was like, I can't do it. It was like in Kansas or something. That's what kind of when I, my break started, but I was really upset because to get things because those things to qualify for is stressful. It's one round, right? Like you get one chance, one round. So I gave up that exemption that year, which was a bummer, but that's all right. Yeah, I would love an, an exemption. <laughs> I know. I didn't outright qualify this year. That was scary. I was like, oh, it's yeah, good. a lot of alternates, yeah. a lot of alternates got in this year. Yeah. So that's kind of nice to know for future reference. Yep. Yep. Did you have like a 14 person playoff this year? <laughs> yes. The biggest issue with that whole thing, and not that I'm blaming the USGA, but their communication with how that was going to play out was not good, right? Because they had players that had to finish their their round that morning because they got pulled off the course for the darkness. So essentially, I showed up way too early. I warmed up way too early, waited around, warmed up again. It was just like, I think it was like this three-hour process of waiting to find out how many people were in the playoff, what the, how they were going to do the playoff. So I kind of screwed myself in that one, Sam, because I was just, I was like exhausted before it even started. And I played one hole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was already like exhausted. So I ended up, you know, I, I bogeyed that we played 18 and I was like one of three people to bogey it. So it is what it is. I've never been part of a 14 person playoff. So now I can say, I have a better idea of how that's going to go next time and how they're going to do it. But it was a bummer, you know, but then I ended up like my caddy and I, we rented scooters and we like drove scooters around the course the rest of the day and just watch golf. So as much as I was disappointed not to make it, we had a heck of a time doing that. It was super fun. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for joining me, Christy. It was nice talking to you. This is awesome. I'm glad you asked me, Sam. Hey, thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Christy. 
I know I have a lot to apply to my game based off of our conversation. I have a couple new books to read as well, which I always enjoy. Thanks for listening.